name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. This is one of those weeks, as I looked at the Mass and the Scriptures therein, that at various points I was drawn to both of them. At first I looked at our wonderful reading from the Epistle of St. Peter. It talks about being of one mind, being compassionate to one another, calling us to love one another. And, and then, of course, I look at the gospel, and in the gospel is one of my favorite passages where the first disciples are called, where Jesus meets the fishermen, Peter, James, and John, and they have the miraculous catch of fish, and he calls them to become fishers of men. And I love to think about that and talk about that. But something wasn't resonating, and I was wrestling all week. Until last night at Vespers. And we had the reading of Acts chapter 17. And something just stuck out to me that I had to give attention to. And I believe I need to share with us this morning. And this shouldn't be of any surprise to us. That the word of God might come through the scripture reading at Vespers. Because remember, the cycle of the prayer and worship of the church is Vespers and Matins. We're receiving Holy Scripture. We are praying, communing with God. And all of that is preparing us to receive of Him in Mass. And so I share with you the words of St. Paul from Acts chapter 17. A little background of what's going on here. This is when St. Paul is in Athens. And he has been proclaiming the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ in the synagogues to both Jews and Gentiles alike throughout Athens. And he gets called upon to come and speak where all the great philosophers in Greece met to speak there in Athens. They say, Paul, come and talk to us about this foreign God that you've been proclaiming all throughout Athens. And you might remember this is the point where on his way to go do his presentation and to proclaim the gospel to these great Greek philosophers. He's on his way and he's passing by altar and statue of the Greek gods, one after the other. And he comes to one where there's an altar to an unknown god. The Greeks actually had an altar to celebrate a god that hadn't been revealed to them yet. That's why it was there. And so St. Paul makes use of that. And he says, my friends, I notice you all are very religious. And you worship all of these gods, but I notice... That there was a God that you don't know who you're worshiping. An unknown God an altar is set up to. And I have come to proclaim to you today that God. This is the God that I have been proclaiming. And I want to read to you the very first part of his delivery of the gospel. Because something stuck out to me. He said, this God who made the whole world and everything in it. Since he is the Lord of heaven and earth does not dwell in temples made with hands, nor is He worshipped with men's hands as though He needed anything, since He gives life to all, life, breath, and all things. And He has made from one nation, I'm sorry, He has made from one every nation of men to dwell over the face of the earth and has determined their pre-appointed times and the boundaries of their dwellings so that they should seek the Lord in the hope that they might grope for Him and find Him, though He is not far from each one of us. What is St. Paul saying? He's saying this God has made everything, and He has created man of one, looking back to Adam and Adam and Eve. 
He's created man and given them a time on this earth that they might seek the Lord in the hope that they might grope for Him and find Him. And that just stuck out to me. Because first of all, in our everyday language, the word grope is a negative word. It's being used negatively for what somebody does to another without their permission. They grope. This is obviously not what St. Paul is talking about. And so I had to go and look at that word. In the language that it's written, that he spoke and is presented to us, what was he really saying? And it's this. That word grope means this. To reach out beyond oneself in order to grasp and touch something we need. To grope for something. I stretch out and I am almost in a desperation reach out because this person has something that I need. That we might grope for God and find Him. The first image that came to mind when I looked at that and what St. Paul was teaching and what the fathers talked about. The first image that came to mind are, are beggars that have not eaten in a long time. If you've ever seen them on the streets or you've ever seen videos of them either in the United States or in third, third world countries. Beggars that are all skin and bone because of lack of nutrition because they lack. And someone of substance walks by and one of the actions you see, they reach out begging. Pleading. Because their body is craving something that is needed. And they're stretching out trying to obtain it from those who potentially have what they need. Does that make sense to you? This is the word grope. And Paul is saying we were put on this earth. And God has apportioned us a time to seek after Him. To grope for Him in that way. And find him. And find him. The question came to me. And it comes to us this morning. Are we in the given time that our Lord has allotted all of our days on this earth as brief as they are? Are we living a life that seeks after God? That pursues him? That gropes for him because we know that in this God is all life and everything that we need for contentment, for fulfillment, and for becoming. Is this how we live? And I ask you this question again. These questions are not asked to slap the hand and say, oh my goodness, no, I'm not. Woe is me. But to wake us up to all the wonder that is there to be had for those that stretch themselves out and pursue God. He promises to reveal Himself. He promises to fulfill and He promises to save. It is a movement of humanity by grace toward the God of our salvation so that we might be made whole. Because this is the God who loves to make whole those who are broken. Let me offer you a few examples from Holy Scripture and the Gospels of those that I see groping. And there's so many reaching, stretching beyond themselves just to get to Jesus Christ that they be made whole, either in spirit or body. The first one that came to mind last night was blessed Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus was a chief tax collector, we're told. Now what that means is, 
Zacchaeus lived a life of over-collecting taxes. These people were known by the Hebrews as the scum of the earth, as thieves. Because not only would they get what Rome was trying to tax them, they would get more and they would keep some of it for themselves. They would rob their own people. And this is Zacchaeus. And one day Jesus is passing by in the crowd. And we know the story. Zacchaeus is very short. And he's in the crowd. He longs to see Jesus. And so he is not content to remain in the crowd. Where he cannot behold Jesus of Nazareth. And so he presses through the crowd and finds a tree that he can climb up in. Just to get to Christ. And notice what happens. Where is Jesus drawn out of the whole multitude? He goes right to Zacchaeus. Because he perceives in Zacchaeus' heart a heart that is longing. A heart that is groping for what it needs to be made whole. And Jesus goes to Zacchaeus and he says, Today, tonight, we dine at your house. I eat with you. And so Jesus went to the house and that evening... Salvation came, we're told, not only to Zacchaeus, but his whole household. Zacchaeus stretched out beyond himself, out of this perceived need, towards where he believed the need could be met, and it was met. Second example is the blind man from Luke, St. Luke in chapter 18. He's a beggar, and he finds and hears that Jesus of Nazareth is passing by again in a great multitude. And so he calls out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy upon me. And the crowd tries to silence him. And we're told that he cries out all the louder with his voice. Son of David, have mercy upon me. And out of the whole multitude again. Where is Jesus drawn? He's drawn to the blind beggar who was groping for him. Who was reaching out for him. In a desperation. And he said, what can I do for you? What do you need? What do you want? I want to see. And he restored his sight. And the man went away praising God for what was done for him. The last example from Holy Scripture I'll give you, and it is one of my favorites, is the woman with the issue of blood. We've talked about that here before. Constant cycle of bleeding for 12 years straight. She would have been suffering not only anemic and weak, she would be anemic and weak, but also suffering emotionally, quite possibly spiritually, because she would have been considered unclean by the whole nation of Israel for 12 years. Jesus, again, is in a multitude. And this weak woman with the issue of bleeding presses her way through this thick crowd in her weak condition because we're told that she believed if she could just stretch out her hand and touch the hem of his garment, her bleeding would stop and her health would be restored. She believed that. And so she pressed through in her weakness just to touch, to lay hold upon the Savior. And as soon as she touches the garment, indeed, her faith, we're told, made her well. Because she was made one with him and he healed. This is the blessed life of the Christian. The ones that are called to pursue God all their days, but to pursue the God that is constantly pursuing us. 
But our Lord does not force Himself upon us. He doesn't force Himself to the healing of our soul, our mind, our body. Christianity is relationship, not robotics. It takes two in union with one another. Allow me to close by giving you some scriptures that I hope and pray will encourage you towards this. The first verse from 2 Chronicles. And let these scriptures just wash over you, listening for the call to present ourselves, to move ourselves all our days towards God. 2 Chronicles 14. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear them. And I will forgive their sin. And I will heal their land. In the epistle of St. James chapter 4, draw near to God. Draw near to God and He will draw near to you. You will not find in the Holy Scripture a more perfect statement of what union with God consists of and is dependent upon. Draw near to God and He will draw near to you. It is two ever moving towards one another in union that grants us our salvation and our, make, and our being made whole. The prophet Jeremiah. God spoke to the prophet Jeremiah in Jeremiah 29. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. King David in Psalm 63. Oh God, you are my God. Early will I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh longs for you in a dry and thirsty land where no water is. And finally, our Lord Jesus Christ from the Gospel of St. Matthew in chapter 7 sums all of this up in what St. Paul is trying to convey as the Gospel in that passage where he says, that we've heard this so many times and sung the song, Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, receives. And everyone who seeks, finds. And the one who knocks, the door will be opened. My prayer for you, and I pray you pray for me, is that we endeavor to live a life while we are given this time to seek the Lord our God. To reach out, stretch out, grope after Him with the promise as St. Paul and our Lord Jesus Christ said, those who do, He will show Himself to you. And He will restore you. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.